What's up, everyone? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Three Things Podcast. I have a recurring guest, Joe Gambino. If you have been listening to this podcast, you would know he's episode 21. I have no idea if I got that right, um, but I believe he's episode 21. And if you're new to this podcast, then you should probably go back, listen to episode 21 with Joe Gambino the first time, because we continue that conversation. Joe is a physical therapist based out of New York City, um, Union Square, and he also has a quote-unquote side hustle. I hate that phrase. So he's a side business um, called Par 4 Performance with his business partner, Frank Duffy, who is yet to make an appearance on the three things. No big deal. I'm not bitter about it. Uh, But Joe and I kind of pick up that conversation from the first podcast and talk about how his business has grown, some things that he's been doing, and some tools he's used to help grow and scale his business to something a little bit more than it was 18 months ago. It's a great conversation. He joined me on uh, Sunday night after a huge Dallas Cowboys win. Um, so I was pumped. Um, he was less than ecstatic. He's a Chargers fan. It's a whole thing. Either way, uh, enjoy this episode. Joe Gambino does a great job and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Well, my name is Joe Gambino. I am a physical therapist based out in uh, Union Square, New York City. Um, And that first episode was uh, was kind of basically a little bit about, uh, I guess, our online business and how we were getting up and started. So I go back and listen to that one first because I think it'll give some context to this episode um, and kind of see how we're growing and where we've gone um, to help anybody who's out there trying to do their own thing business-wise um, and see how things could progress and grow from there. Yeah. So you, the first episode, exactly what you said, talked a lot about business, part four performance, kind of what you and your business partner, Frank Duffy, who has yet to make an appearance in the Three Things podcast. Um, you two, Frank Duffy Zero. Um, yes, I'm going to let him know about that before this comes out. Uh, yeah. And you text me, what was it, probably a month ago-ish, something like that. And you said, man, we did the podcast too early. Our business is starting to take off. Or, you know, it made it sound like you've got some better business practices or new business practices that have kind of come down the pipeline. Or, or And you actually referenced a couple uh, different books that you and Frank have read. I uh, won't we'll get into those. I'll let you talk about those a little bit. But um, what kind of – I'll start with the first thing of the three things. What – was kind of like a turning point and and you had mentioned a specific book i don't i won't say it again but um what was kind of like a turning point where, where you were able to say like hey this business is starting to kind of pick up steam or or kind of change gears and become something a little bit more meaty if you will um i would say probably over what would be like our last quarter right since i guess like about the last four months i feel like our company is actually like a company. We actually have something that's going on. Um, it's kind of self-sustaining in a sense. Um, and it's at a point where we can start to make different decisions and start to actually grow. Um, so again, it, it actually does go back to the book that I previously mentioned. Um, actually, I don't know which, it was either, the, um, I think StoryBrand was the one we discussed last time. Yep. 
So that book was the book that we used to kind of create our website. Um, and that's kind of the process where we were then. We were just really kind of just like getting off the ground. We were reworking our website. Um, we've actually been lately, I think what's kind of gave us that turning point is we've been working on like internal systems to help our um, business kind of run and where we can always keep like a kind of bird's eye view on a weekly basis of um, what we're doing and certain like key factors that we're tra um, tracking. And that all came from the book Traction, mm -hmm. um, which you're probably familiar with. You guys at Strength Faction, we're all about it. Um, but in essence, oh, this one's it. This is Get a Grip. This is, uh, is this one that comes after? That is. So that one's more of like a storytelling book where they went through like an example of one of their clients and how they use the principles of traction. So that's like... Okay almost like an example of how you would work it out. Okay. And then um, the book traction is like just basically the principles behind their system. Sure. So, you know, I'm, I like systems because people who are smarter than me have already found something that works. So yep. I like to use a system and then add my own mind, like thought into something that becomes my own. Um, so we've used traction. We've kind of hit the ground running. So uh, one big thing that's, talk about having like key measurables and we have about like seven to nine of them that we track every week because uh, well how they describe it is a big um, fault that many companies use is that they'll track those things at the, end of the quarter at the end of the year and if you're seeing a trend at the end of the year it's too late to to catch it right it's already a problem at that point but if you track things a week it's much quicker and then on that, you can start to actually problem solve during that, that time period. So that this way you don't end up with a long-term problem. You're kind of just taking these problems as they come along, chopping them down and trying to solve them um, piece by piece. So I'm going through that kind of stuff, really uh, kind of turn this around. And now we're actually trying to do, get out and try to build our mailing list and trying to get everything off and kind of have more avenues to start to market to people. Yeah. So you, you mentioned like key measurables and you guys, and, and I don't really know how you define par four performance. So I think that is, that's the business we're talking about. So if you are listening to this podcast and you haven't listened to the first episode with Joe, uh, like you said, that de is definitely something you want to listen to, but par four performance is your online business. And, um, you guys, as far as key measurables for something in an online business, what would you say is probably your favorite measurable to track? Maybe not the most important, but something that you think just kind of like gut instinct is like the measurable that you like to track. Um, I would, I would, I think that the, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily have a, a favorite, but I think the ones that are that tend that we tend to look the most at would be, um, how many, cause we do a trial subscription for 99 cents. We're still running that. Um, so we look at how many new trial trial members are coming in on a weekly basis, how many new subscribers we get that are full fledged subscribers at the full price. Um, and then we track how many people are, are coming out the door, how many people are canceling. Um, and then we're, we're, we track how many times we market and, and stuff like that. But I think probably those are the two that kind of give us the biggest picture of what we're doing right now. Cause really our only product that par four has is the Kintridge classes. And we're starting to make that change from where we are now, um, to more of the golf side. 
but yeah, so that's uh, kind of how we're we're working things. So I would say those are the probably two biggest um, things right now that we would be tracking. Have you found that by like kind of diving into par four, you've kind of found that your physical therapy practice, you've kind of adopted some of the same mythologies? Uh, how so? Like as far as just like maybe people coming in on a consult basis or people coming in on like an evaluation basis versus like maybe people like kind of where your funnel comes from. Um, it, I don't really know how to, to answer. I don't think that the, the like in-person practice kind of, you know, I guess like if you're saying my, like my in-person practice of physical therapist where we're using like part of the FMS and SFMA as our kind of like consult basis, mm-hmm. um, it kind of, that kind of get, does get filtered into what we're doing as like an online consult before like someone would do online training with us um but as far as how that will kind of like tie into you know what we're doing with um the business in a sense there it's kind of very different um was like you know so i don't necessarily know if like you know if you're running a gym and then you're trying to do online stuff or say you work for another gym and you're trying to do online training as a side um business in a sense right i don't think necessarily that they um go fully they, they like seem like they're the same thing they're, they're very different on uh different levels how you yeah. how you go about it um how you try to market it um because you don't really have people like constantly in front of you right so it's um it's easy i think to lose track of people right members kind of easily more easily fall off um it's harder to um track progress and staying in contact with people. So I think that's a, like a big difference between the two worlds. Yeah. I think that's something that's different because you get a lot of, and this is more speaking as like a personal trainer in a, in a commercial setting, people who train, it's kind of like the opposite where people will go from like an in-person training experience to trying to get that in-person experience online. And you guys have crafted a pretty, pretty legit online experience that I didn't know if it maybe carried over into an in-person type situation or environment but it it is funny how different that is and i think a lot of people try to treat it as it is the same but it is completely different avenues environments and and so forth i I said that yeah that's probably like one of the biggest the the things that we tend to try to focus on the most because i think that like it helps with retention and stuff like that um so like retention on the online thing especially like a, a pure membership basis thing um you know there are times where you know, the amount of people that leave our service is more than what's coming in. So it's all about like, how can we try to connect more so with our member base, you know, like using a Facebook group, um, you know, trying to interact with them more, tell them to, you know, send us video via email or through the Facebook group so they can get like kind of some coaching, um, you know, because you really don't get that with other services. So it's just all about trying to find ways to keep them more engaged and I hope that they'll stick around a little bit longer, get more value out of what we're offering. Yeah. So you mentioned another book. Um, was it Dot Com Secrets? What was that? What, do you remember that book you remember, mentioned I, to me? Yes, yes, I do. So you you credited like that was like a big, big influence for you guys as far as like an online presence. Um, is that still true? I don't want to be like speaking. <laughs> I'm like, way off here. Just tell me. That stuff is what we've been uh, working on lately. Sure. Uh, so that is like, I guess what you would say, the next system that we're trying to put in place. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned before where we're trying to move off of Instagram and start to use more of like an email marketing. And that's really what that book's about. 
Um, so that book's about, you know, getting more of building your email list and then actually creating um, funnels where you can kind of, you know, try to sell your, your products in a sense and up, you know, kind of like put them through this value ladder, so to speak, where they come in through like a free, you know, trial membership or like you're giving them a product for free then in exchange for their email. Then they take that on and then you kind of move them through this, this funnel, right? Where you're build, where you're bringing them through your products and seeing, you know, using that as, as a marketing tool versus just Instagram or Facebook or, or paid ads or whatever it may be. So now that you've kind of got a, is, how long have you guys been in business? A year and a half, two years? A year and a half now, yeah. A year and a half. Wow. What would be kind of, now hindsight's always twenty twenty, but that's kind of why people ask for the advice because they have the hindsight. What would be the order of operations knowing what you know now? Say part four performance is starting from scratch today. You have the existing knowledge that you have. What would be the first system you would put in place? Uh, the first system would definitely be the traction stuff. I mean, I think by far that has um, allowed our business to grow um, from where we were when we started um, to where we are now. And it just makes things easy and it, and it holds Frank and I way more accountable to each other. And there's still a lot to work on in that regards because Frank and I are distance-based yep. out in, in Massachusetts, not here in New York. Um, so yeah, definitely working through the traction and just ha- it doesn't have to be that book. <laughs> any system that allows your, your business or your company to kind of function. Like what are, what's your mission? What's your vision? Um, what are your goals? Um, what do you need to track on a weekly basis to kind of have a good bird's eye view of your company um, where you can start to make decisions and, and how to continue to grow um, by far is the most important thing, at least to what we've done so far um, to build where we are now. Okay. So switching, cause I, I've, I like what you said there about how you and Frank are in a different state and that obviously poses its own challenges. What would be your advice to someone who was looking to start a business or is starting a business with a partner? Um, you and Frank obviously have had an existing relationship before part four performance. Um, and maybe that's a part of the answer, but what would be some advice you'd give maybe a, a young entrepreneur or a young, young fitness professional in the space looking to kind of expand on their current services. And maybe this is an avenue that they're kind of um, listening to this podcast because it's a great resource and they want to know, right. I want to partner. How do I do it? Um, I think partnership wise is just, do you really trust somebody? I, I don't remember who said it on Instagram, but I, or I was Instagram or, or Twitter, but someone said, uh, I don't know. It have been like Bedros, Bedros Killian. Mm-hmm. Um, he was saying, uh, don't get a partner because he says a lot of times those things fail. Yep. Uh, I think if you are going to partner, you need to, to fully trust the person. Um, you know, how, you know, I wouldn't just be like, Oh, you know, I just, you know, met this guy a week ago or started, you know, working somewhere and you, you two people just have like a similar thought process and we're going to just go start something because I think, you know, you never know what happens with money comes around and like, when accountability not only really work right, I think with any sort of business, um, you know, that can cause a lot of, you know, fighting or, you know, animosity between two people. And, you know, people say, don't, don't ever get in business with your family, right? Because it can kind of ruin relationships. So yeah. kind of deal, right? If you're not trusting, you know, who, who you're with, um, it would kind of be hard. And I mean, I've known Frank since he was 13 years old, you know, I mean, I've known him for a really long time and we've done, we've had 
side businesses before parkour was a thing. We ran a boot camp together um, for a while. So there, there's a lot of trust between us. We, we have a similar mindset and, you know, things have been running as smooth as it can be so far. So we will see as we grow how that, how that happens. We're both busy people with full-time jobs. So trying to keep parkour on track. And that's why I think the systems is so important because it just helps us stay a little bit more on track. And at the end of the week, when we have our meeting, it's like, hey, we both slacked off or you didn't do this or I didn't do that. And there's no questions at that point, right? It's like, it is what it is. So we have to make that change moments the next week. Yeah, for sure. It's funny how, and kind of what I'm pulling from this conversation is, and and it's amazing how I think it always comes down to this, whether it be a person, a business, a training client, a rehab client, like you've got to do the basics really well, whether that be one, like you're saying with traction, get the business systems, like the raw business systems in place. Like what is going to be the measurables? What is the product you're selling? Kind of defining that early on and then branching on and making sure everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing. Like if you're training someone, you know, like the practitioner needs to know what they're doing, just like the client needs to know what they're supposed to be doing. And in order to have any level of success, those both have to be pieces of the puzzle that, that are operating at a high level. And it's funny because the business is no different. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm just, it's just, I don't know. It's, I think maybe I'm just pulling it oversimplified, but um, you know, it is, it is funny how that can often be overlooked. Yeah. I don't think it's oversimplified at all because you know, even like, like training principles, right? It's, if you know the basics, it becomes very easy to, to manipulate variables, right? If you don't have a, a baseline, you know, understanding of good movement, of basic strength and conditioning principles, right? Regressions, progressions become much harder to deal with, right? So the more foundation you have in something, the easier it is for you to layer more knowledge on top. The same thing with like going through all the traction stuff in the beginning. I read the whole book front to back. I didn't really, you know, I got whatever out of it and we started to implementing it and we read two or three chapters and the difference it's made just rereading that part of the book again and the new information I got on top of it. I'm like, wow, this, you know, it's, you know, once you start to apply something and even if you go back and relearn the exact same principles, what you get out of it is very, very different um, at times. So yeah, the fundamentals, the basics to a building a system become super important. So it allows us now to focus more on product building and creating a funnel system. And then once that's in place, it becomes even easier to grow and scale. Hopefully, you know, I mean, that's, that's what we're projecting. Um, so it'll be interesting to see one year from now as we put together a little bit more of our system, you know, um, and how much more of an identity you, be, you get with your own business. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting. So we'll see where, where that goes. Yeah. And I kind of want to elaborate on that point a little bit, but you talk about like year one to year two, like you say, 18 months in kind of looking, going in, you know, halfway through year two and kind of eyeballing year three, starting in 2019. What, how, and I, Pardon me while I stumble my words here. I'm a little rusty. So the Oprah effect is not, it just, you know, I'm just kind of struggling in my own interviewing skills. Um, yes, I, I do compare myself to Oprah quite frequently on this podcast. Patience. And as far as like letting a business kind of form versus kind of forcing the business to be what you want it to be from the start. Can you talk a little bit about maybe how par four has changed from what you initially thought it was going to be to maybe what it is now, or maybe it stayed on the same kind of track that you initially thought, which kudos to you for actually take, taking patience and time on that end. But I've even found with even this podcast that it started as one thing, it's morphing into something else. 
And I am perfectly fine with letting that morph happen. But I think some people maybe want something so bad that it has to be this rigid product that once it gets out into the market, people give you feedback and whatever it might be that got to push the, you know, the button and, and maybe reset or audible is something different. No, I agree. I don't think anything should be rigid. I think everything in life uh, always has its twist and turns and never quite goes the way you expect. But um, I think with par four, when we started it, it was just, you know, we were both interested in golf, but it, it golf wasn't really a, a full identity to us at that point. We just kind of did it. And we started with Kintrich because that was what we were doing well at the time, right? We were very into the system with FRC, Kintrich, um, all that stuff that it just made sense at the time for us to start there. Um, and we've refined how we've done stuff Like we make classes shorter. Um, we have reorganized our members portal to make it a little bit easier to navigate based on customer feedback. Um, but slowly as we've been going through this golf is actually becoming a little bit more of our identity and we're kind of ready to start taking on that role. So I think we're actually growing into what we want it to be versus yeah. actually like going out and creating this like whole golf you know related stuff pushing it out there right we're almost yeah. it almost took me a year and a half to be like yeah i want to be i actually really do want to be a golf you know like a, a niche for the golf industry right it, it wasn't like that in the beginning even though we had that want um and i i don't know if i'm speaking quite you know frank felt the same way but you know now I'm more interested in actually learning about the golf swing. I've been taking some lessons. Um, I did my first golf-related um, certification outside of TPI, um, and I'm kind of really interested in the golf swing and seeing how what we do can actually affect that. So I think, you know, it's like a perfect timing, right? We're, we're starting to build our, our business foundational-wise, and, and we're starting to get this identity where we belong in the golf industry, and now we can start to really start to target um, that market. Yeah, it sounds like you kind of put the finish, like you knew what the finish line was going to be with par four performance, but then you kind of said, okay, that's the finish line where this, you know, this X distance back and we're going to get to the finish line at some point. We just don't know when and how it's going to be. Yeah, I honestly had no idea how it would go. <laughs> you know, it's interesting too because like, and I don't really understand like social media. I know like there's like these rules and like if you post constantly with good content that's authentic to you, right? You're going to grow. Um, there's no real definitions on that stuff, right? Like I just post content and it's, and it's gone well. And somehow we've actually connected with some pretty like legit golf coaches, right? So it's actually helped you know, grow us in that regard as well, like towards the golf industry. So, I, you know, being on social media and like growing that aspect of our business first, um, before we even like got and had it in LLC or anything was like huge and it, and it serves as an advantage to, to grow and network and, and meet people and kind of like build into the space. Yeah, we can do a whole nother conversation about that. Um, but I think that that's just kind of cool. And I, I appreciate you pulling back the curtains to kind of share what, what maybe the ups and downs have been. And I, I think that the online space is super unknown. Uh, it's almost like the dot-com era has started all over again with this like entrepreneurship style of, of any market you can imagine trying to just like re-jump into the space with all the different innovations that have popped up over the last three to five years. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's such a busy space too now. I mean, that's, I think what also makes it very hard to, to grow and have something right. Is if, you know, you can Google something and your name will almost never pop up on 
uh, a search engine if you're in a very busy space. Um, we were lucky enough that with Kinstretch, it wasn't known at the time when we got into it. And we were probably, I th- we were the first online system that was out there because when Kinstretch first came out, there, we, it really wasn't a thing, right? It was actually in our contract that we weren't allowed to do online stuff and they've changed that um, since. Um, but if you actually search like online Kinstretch, we'll actually be up at the top of that list. So I think just having something more niched that's different than, you know, what a lot of people are offering helps with visibility and stuff like that too. So, um, you know, not just doing just, if you're like a, a fitness professional, if you're a trainer and you're just doing online training, I mean, you're competing with a lot of very smart people, people that have been in the space longer I'm not saying that you may not be smart, but it's hard to, um, carve out something. Um, when there's already a lot of people in the space and that dot-com uh, not the dot-com secrets book But another book by the same author called uh, expert secrets um, talks about that. They say when you're coming up with your niche um, You're looking at there's like two types of water. There's like red water and blue water red water shark infested water where you know the uh, You know people who are in the online space or in that business They're the sharks and they're feasting, you know, and like if you're trying to get into that water There's not a lot of you know, like food there for you, right? But if you find a nice blue, you know, water where you can start your niche, right? And there's, you know, there's nobody really in that space. You're actually able to kind of find the, the clients and you're not trying to fight through, you know, thousands of other fitness professionals. Yeah. It's something interesting to think about when you're trying to figure out like, what do you want to do? Yeah. I was just for, for giggles today. I looked up this, the hashtag strength coach on Instagram and outside of it being a softcore porn model infested hashtag, uh, you really didn't offer a whole lot of value, you know? So it, it's, it's just interesting when you really take a step back and, and think about, am I really doing what I want to be doing on the marketing level? And am I really talking to the people that I want to be talking to on a marketing level? And, um, not to name drop, but Robert Russ did a critical conversations and we talked about an hour worth of uh, marketing strategy and, and he's a dude who works in TV and, and digital media and he shared some good insights, but it, that was kind of my big takeaway from him was just saying, am I really talking to who I want to be talking to? And when you're in a fitness, fitness space, it's, uh, it's, it's noisy. Yeah. No, but it's interesting because like that, that is so true because traction Dotcom Secrets and the um, the Story Brand book, all of them talking about knowing exactly who your target market is. Like knowing not just like I want to work with golfers, but I want to know the age ranges for which I want to target. Um, knowing what their potential jobs might be, to knowing where they're going to be spending their time on the internet. Like what are their their kind of things that they like to do, like recreational activities, like really trying to figure out, like even giving these people like a specific name, right? Like, and just like knowing like who you want to market to. So this way, like you are know that you're talking to the right people. And it's, you know, like if everyone's saying that like three different books, three different authors, um, we're all saying the same thing, right? It's probably time to start to pay attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you can actually uh, answer those questions, you'll be a very, very, very smart and rich person because as easy as it is to say those, it is it's, it's triple, hard. quadruple, it is 10 times as hard to actually come up with the real answer mm-hmm. and then actually implement it. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. the thing, it goes back to patience, right? Like, yep. hey, you put whatever on paper and then as you grow, right? Like, oh, you know what? Maybe like trying to target the multimillionaire isn't really where I want to go. I really want to help like the 50-year-old golfer, right? Like, you know, like, so maybe, you know, originally someone want to work with 
clientele, right? Maybe after a while that changes to being something a little more modest. But you know, never knows, right? It's it's always a person by person, business by business case, right? For sure. Okay, Mr. Gambino. We have now moved out of the three things. We're in the speed round. I don't know if you've been listening to the three things podcast. If you haven't, it's okay. I forgive you. But the speed round is the best part. Um, are you ready? I I think so. Okay. One upstate. Oh, well, let me backtrack the speed round for those that maybe are new because Joe Gambino has like a bajillion followers and maybe they're like, Oh man, Joe did a podcast. I want to listen. Um, the speed round is short answers. It can be as long, oh, I should say it can be as long or short as you want. Um, and it has nothing to do with anything that we've talked about. So it's really, it's the highlight. The whole reason I do the podcast is for the speed round. Are you ready? Uh, let's do it. Okay. Upstate New York starts where? Upstate New York starts around Westchester. Around Westchester. Yeah, Westchester. That's a big county. Uh-huh. Westchester up. A Westchester up is upstate New York. What's Syracuse? Upstate. Okay, what's Buffalo? Upstate. Okay, just starting yeah. <laughs> up. Love it. I love it. I love it. I got I got Chris Cooper, another New Yorker, coming on the podcast tomorrow, and I can't wait because every New Yorker gives <laughs> a different answer to that question. It cracks me up. Um, power rank. Give me the top three breweries um, in Astoria. In Astoria, other half. Oh, and in Astoria. Well, there's not yeah. many. Astoria. Well, okay, so Queens. in Queens. Yeah, give me Queens. If we say Queens. Top three would be LIC Beer Project, Queens. Um, single cut and thin back. Those would be my top three in Queens. Big single cut guy, and it's making its way up to Northern Vermont, which is awesome. Delicious stuff. Yeah, it's they, like, when I first went there, funny enough, I hated that place. It's like seven, eight years ago. They were terrible. And then I didn't go back there for four or five years, and I went back and I was like, I've been missing out. Uh, yeah, it's delicious. The only problem is they're like four packs are like 30 bucks. Uh, it's not well up there maybe up here it is it's over here it's it's modest yeah it's the same thing right like um you know some of the vermont vermont beers get down here when they come down here it's like 13 dollars for a can you know like yeah like alchemist brewery is found somewhere it's like 13 to 15 dollars at a restaurant you can't even take it home that's old hat beer and cheese by us they do they do all like the local breweries um and they'll do cans and they'll have stuff on tap. And every now and again, they'll get something from like Vermont or, and like they have like Alchemist on and all of a sudden it's like $15 and you must drink it in the place. You can't even take it home. That's and just... they charge you $2 to open it there. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That's a thing. That's, yeah, they do it too. Cause like if you get something from the, the refrigerator and open on premises, they do, they do an open, uh, it ends up being the same price if you got something on tap that is a damn shame in vermont it's just byob you just roll in with your own four pack and just get after it wow um okay so i'm gonna keep the frank duffy jokes to a minimum uh but because he's never been on the podcast and he so he's never i i feel like it'd be it's morally wrong if he's never been on a podcast so okay i'm gonna hold off on this one because maybe i'll get you guys on together i'll I'll save it for i'll let frank (laughs) ask you because you've done two podcasts before i start to take shots at frank um as far as gosh i had a list of these this is like the one thing that i do actually prepare is the speed round um but I'll go with the, with like the layup one, the Mike, the Mike Robertson. What is the best advice you've ever gotten? Ooh, I don't know if that's a layup one. The best advice I've ever gotten. Ever. It's a layup on my end. It's not a layup on your end. It's actually a really hard <laughs> question on your end. Yeah, it's, it's a, uh, let's see. Uh, hmm. 
man I, I i guess probably like the and it's i i don't even know if people find this as a good answer but the, the, honestly the best advice is just like literally care um if you care about what you're doing and the work that you're putting out there right it's 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 going to reflect in the knowledge you have and how um you come up to your clients and your patients and it makes you huge difference. i think really like you know like really giving a fuck about what you do is like a huge 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 thing and and it's it's definitely probably some of the best advice that i've gotten yeah, it's it really is. It always goes back to the, the simplicity. Just the simple things always matter. I want what to if, something very, really elaborate and deep. But <laughs> it, How awkward was filming your first kin stretch class virtually? Um, honestly, it wasn't too bad because prior to that, I was doing like the Tune Up Tuesday stuff on my personal um, website at the time. And I've had some experience talking to a camera, but definitely the first time talking in front of the camera. And the first time I like watched myself, I'm like, Oh, I, I I talk like that, and I I I look like that when I talk. Yeah, so it's uh you know once you watch yourself talk a couple of times, um, it it actually is a good learning process to actually like, see yourself. How many pairs of joggers do you own, Kin Stretch instructor? Oh, uh, I think I'm up to five now. It's so awesome. Uh, <laughs> I took Kin Stretch earlier this year, and it's like I I can just I just noticed my closet has exponentially grown in <laughs> the amount of joggers that I own. Uh-huh. Um, and obviously, you have to you know take the socks off and roll them up mid calf style. So it's no, it's, I prefer to keep socks. Look. I'm definitely not a take. Wow, my- you uh, so you don't even really Kin Stretch. It's wild. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like wow. a figure, you know. Frank is more alpha than you when it comes yeah, he, to I mean, he goes as far as wearing the correct toes. So yeah, he's all in, man. He's all in. Um, Joe Gambino, thank you so much for making time on a Sunday night after a huge Cowboys victory uh, to join me. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me back. Well, I'm sure well, you're a recurring guest now, so we'll probably have a third one, a fourth one, a fifth one. Do it. Hi everyone. It's Casey again. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And I wanted to ask you a huge favor. I don't ask for a lot of favors, but if you could, whatever you're listening to this podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, if you could take a minute and just go write a review, I would really appreciate it. I don't get any bonus points or anything like that for it, but I really think it would help get the word out. And if this podcast has helped you, it might help someone else and it'll do a better job of getting that word out to who might need it.